Well, thank you for uh, for being with us, for participating. I'm really glad you decided to take part in our uh, celebration, worship celebration today, whether you're on site or online. Thank you for being here, being part of this. So, I have my idea, but I'm kind of curious about yours, and I don't know. You can raise your hand if you're here, if you're not here, if you're online. I don't know how you can let me know what you think. Send me a, an email or a message on Facebook, I guess. That'd be a good way to do it. Uh, I'm going to open with a question. Do you think it's possible to grow up without ever experiencing insults, humiliation, or abuse? Uh, now, yeah. Now, to be sure, some insults are worse than others. Some acts of humiliation and abuse are, you know, cause more damage than others. Uh, but I'm pretty sure uh, I'm not alone when I say I can still feel the sting of my classmates' uh, taunts in gym class. I was always frustrated that gym class was included in the GPA. I never could understand that. Why? Why? Never mind. Let's not go there. I, I can recall some of my nicknames. Uh, and some of the songs, yes, I I inspired songs. If you want to call it inspiration, uh, I, I had songs that were sung to mock me. Uh, I recall the neighborhood bullies. Uh, yes, there were two brothers that, uh, for some reason, just because I was larger than most kids in the neighborhood, that made me the target. Uh, for regular meetings. Uh, I'm not alone, though. Uh, everybody's story is different. Each person's story is unique. Uh, we've all been hurt. Right? Can't, can't we all? I'm sure every, every person here and everybody who's, who's, who's uh, online had, can remember the people who yelled and cussed us out, cursed us. Um, we don't want to. Some of us can remember the sting of the insults, the level and the lengths of our abuses as individuals and the humiliations that we, we have experienced are going to vary, but one of the things is very clear. Every single one of us, every human being, uh, the billions of human beings who live on this planet right now and all those who have ever lived on this planet, uh, every single human being, every one of us is wounded and broken. <clears throat> and we've done it to ourselves. We've done it to each other. We share one other thing. We share one other thing in common. We all tend to feel alone. It's something we all have experienced, and yet we all feel like we're the only ones who've experienced it. We're alone in our pain, our shame, and our disgrace. We, we feel like nobody else does. How can, how can anybody know what I've been through? How can anybody know what we've been through? Even more, how can God ever understand? That's we're more likely to blame him for it happening than anything else. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting situation we find ourselves in, isn't it? Um, 
Well, that was a real uplifting introduction, Pastor. Well, in case you forgot where we're at, we we're following Jesus uh, in the last few hours of his life. Uh, we're following him from his tortured prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane to the cross and then to his empty tomb. So I want you to come and catch a glimpse of what Jesus did for us. This morning, uh, we're in Matthew chapter 27, verses 26 to 31. We're picking up where we left off uh, previously. I'm going to be reading from uh, the Passion Translation. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of a paraphrase translation. So if it's a little different from what you have, don't. Don't be surprised, but it helps bring out some things that I think are helpful. Verse 26 is where uh, Pastor Aaron left off last week as he talked to us about Pilate, Jesus, and Barabbas. So uh, we're going to pick up right there and move on from that uh, situation. So he, he being Pilate, the governor, the Roman governor of Jerusalem and the surrounding province. Uh, so he, Pilate, released Barabbas to the people because that's who they'd asked for. He ordered that Jesus be beaten with a whip of leather straps embedded with metal. And afterwards, to be crucified. When the guards... Then the guards took him into their military compound where a detachment of nearly 600 soldiers surrounded him. 600 to 1. They stripped off his clothing and placed a scarlet robe on him to make fun of him. Then they braided a crown of thorns and forcefully shoved it onto his head. After placing a staff in his right hand, they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spat in his face and took the staff from his hand and hit him repeatedly on his head, driving the crown of thorns deeper. When they finished ridiculing him, they took off the scarlet robe and put his own clothes back on him and led him away to be crucified him. They led him away to be crucified. So I want you to follow this. Starting in the Garden of Gethsemane, one of his disciples betrayed him with a kiss. The other 11 disappeared into the night, deserted him. Oh, wait a minute. Except for Peter, who followed along and then ended up cursing himself before the rooster crowed in an effort to deny that he ever knew Jesus. He was mocked and beaten by the Jewish authorities, and now he's been taken to the Romans, and the crowd has chosen 
Barabbas over him. And he's been turned over to the soldiers and they stripped him. Now, I don't know. There's no pretty way to say this because the, what it literally means is they fully undressed him. None of that pretty stuff in the art. He was stripped naked to shame and humiliate him. Also, to make it easier to whip every square inch of his body with those strips of leather with metal embedded in them. <clears throat> they put a crown of thorns on his head. They mocked him. They spat on him. They struck him repeatedly. They mocked him until they were bored. They stripped him one more time. And then they let him out to the crucifix. We wonder how can anyone, especially God, understand and know what we've been through. I'm here to tell us, to remind us that Jesus understands. Jesus understands because he was humiliated, insulted, and abused. might say to me, but Mark, you don't know what I've been through, and I will say to you, you're exactly right. I don't know what you've been through, <clears throat> but I know someone who's been through stuff. I know one who knows what it is to be helpless and powerless and humiliated. I know one who, if he could stand before you this morning in person, would say something like this to you. And to rephrase it, quote from an author named Timothy Keller, here's the gospel, here's the good news. You're more wounded and broken than you've ever dared admit. And you are more loved than you've ever dared to hope. Because Jesus is God who became one of the billions of human beings who came into this world to be broken and wounded 
humiliated, mocked, and abused by us. He didn't come to get a free ride. He came to experience life just like us because he loves us. He knows. And like the hymn writer says, love so amazing, so divine, deserves, demands my soul, my life, my all. See, Jesus loves you and I enough to dive into the depths of our, your wounds and humiliation and abuse. And so I'm here to tell you this morning, don't buy the lie. You are not alone. You have never been alone. Jesus knows that your pain and shame, and he can heal your wounds. The very wounds that the forces of evil intend to put you aside, to put you on the sideline, and to keep you from, from being a force for helping others, those very wounds can become the very way you help other people find healing in Jesus' love. Because you found healing in his love. The sermon in the sentence for today, if you remember nothing else, is this. Your wound becomes a weapon when it is washed by worship. Your wounds, our wounds, become weapons to set people free, not to attack them. I want to make this really clear. I was, I was, I was very uncertain about using that word weapon in our culture. In our society, we are in the middle of what people have been calling culture wars. I've been bothered by that for a long time. And if you're comfortable with it, I'm here to bother you about it. Yeah, I just said that out loud and I'm scared. So here we go, Ephesians chapter 6. Let me remind you of something that the Apostle Paul told us. The final word, he says, the final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the other political party. And to believe people who do not believe in the same things you believe in your culture. How many of you remember that that is not what it says? Good, some of you do. What it says is, you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. By the way, one of his strategies is to make you think that it's those other people that we're fighting. Them's not the problem. People aren't the problem. Well, you know, because the next thing he says is we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. 
It's not Democrats, Republicans, Communists, Green Party, Libertarians, Russians, Chinese. You name it. It's not them. It's not immigrants, legal or otherwise. Not white folks, black folks, or any other kind of folks. It's all those forces of evil that want us to think that it's those other people. It's those forces that want us to think that we're in a culture war when what we are really in is a spiritual conflict between the forces in rebellion against God and those of us who are supposed to be on God's side. Trying to make this world what God intended it to be in the first place. We're not, our enemies are not flesh and blood. We are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now Paul goes on in the next several verses to describe the, the spiritual armor we're supposed to put on, and somebody who's done a really good job of consolidating all of that, and says, and basically that means Jesus. Put on Jesus. I wish they had told me that when I was back and growing up and had to memorize those verses. I was growing up in school church and they were telling me, you got it. I could have just said, and put on Jesus. That would have been a whole lot easier than memorizing it. Just put on Jesus. And then what do you do? According to verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray. Stay alert. Both those words, by the way, aren't aren't like, they're not commands like the putting on the armor command. They're, they're, they're different. They're, they're, the, they're the way that we put on the armor and how we stand in the battle. It, they're the way we do it. How do we fight the forces of evil, the evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world against the mighty powers of this dark world and the evil spirits in heavenly places? It has absolutely nothing to do with Facebook posts, Twitter posts, yard signs, billboards, It has everything to do, it has nothing to do with protest t-shirts, it has everything to do with staying alert and listening to the Holy Spirit when we pray. Well, I don't surely feel like we're doing much when we do that. Then you need to understand what we're doing when we pray. We're asking the almighty creator of the universe to roll up his sleeves and do what he wants to to make our world what it's supposed to be which I dare say is a whole lot more effective than every Facebook post you will ever make 
It was far more effective than your dollar signs, billboards, t-shirts, and irons on the street corner with those other people that don't agree with you. still love me, but if you don't, it's okay. <sighs> I'm pretty sure Jesus still does. Amen. Oh, good. Thank you. Hey, I just want to remind you of something. In the matters of spiritual warfare, there are two things we need to make really clear. First, we are absolutely no match for Satan. And second of all, Satan is absolutely no match for Jesus. In both On both counts, on both counts, it's not even close. But it's again, left to ourselves, we have no chance against the forces of evil. Keywords were there, left to ourselves. But when we put on Jesus... It's on a whole nother game. Because there is no chance the enemy's already lost to Jesus. They dished out their worst to him, they killed him, and then on the Sunday morning they looked over and went, Where'd he go? Why is he outside the tomb talking to Mary? Dead people aren't supposed to get up and move around. Can you imagine with me just for a moment, imagine what would happen in our world if we all began to pray for each other. Not to fix each other. but to pray for each other, to begin to alertly pray in the Spirit for Jesus' love to flow into and through us to still other people, to still more people. Now, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? I know there are all kinds of answers, but I, I, there's a few things that I think it means for sure. It means, first of all, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to tell, to lead me when I pray. Show me. What am I supposed to pray for? How am I supposed to pray? I don't know. Help me. Then other, another thing it would mean is to ask the Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to give you words, Bible verses, images, and, and maybe pictures, songs, whatever it is. We all, we all have different ways of thinking. Whatever it is that will help you and guide you in your prayers. And ask, ask the Holy Spirit to, to give you insights. Like, Bible, Bible has word, you know, pictures for this and, and descriptions, of words of prophecy or knowledge and wisdom. But, but whatever... Holy Spirit, give me insights 
so that when I'm praying, I can know what you want me to pray for. And maybe I can say something to somebody that will be an encouragement to them and a help to them. When my wounds come in contact with his love and my response then becomes to worship him and to love him and to pray that he will show me how to love the people around me, especially those people that I just can't ever agree with about all those really explosive things. We're going to Turn this world right side up. Because right now it's upside down. Now some of you are wondering what I, why I just said what I said. And it, because we're all used to it this way. This world is upside down the way it is right now. And we need to be part of turning it right side up. And that's described by loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbors as ourselves. End of story. That's it. So this morning, I think it's appropriate for us to go to the cross there's one more time by the way in the story where Jesus is stripped naked despite all the pictures you've ever seen the Romans were never leaving people hanging on the cross in their underwear Romans stripped people, they stripped them naked. They didn't. They didn't care what was proper. So once again, when they got to the to the cross, they stripped Jesus again. For all the world to see, literally. As he lived, they hung there to die for us. He gave his life for us. I want to invite you to join us this morning as we sing a little song of prayer leading to the cross where your blood was spilled for my ransom. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return blessings for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor everyone. Love and serve Jesus, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. You are sent. Go with Jesus.